So we're in a sermon series based on the prayer by William Sloan Coffin that is in your bulletin insert. And we're in the section, the second section, where they're talking about being thankful for complicated blessings. John spoke last week about the complicated blessing of failure. And this week I'm focusing on the line which is being thankful for the blessing, the complicated blessing of our lack of money, which points to the only truly renewable resources, the resources of our spirit. Now we might as well say a lack of money does not feel like a blessing. Uh, Lynn Twist is a global activist who works with both the wealthiest and the poorest people on the planet. And she calls the assumption of scarcity the great lie because it is such a dominant assumption. In a world of material abundance, uh, such as we clearly operate in, we still live out of a dominant assumption of scarcity. Just everyday examples demonstrate that. Our conversation is dominated by what we don't have enough of. How often have you talked about don't have enough sleep, don't have enough time, don't have enough things to do, don't have the right clothes? We could go on and on. I'm not just talking to you either. We define abundance as more. But defining it this way, people are always measuring what they don't have. And that catches us up on a wheel of, it never is going to feel like enough. So the complicated blessing of a lack of money is a really interesting one. And I think there are several aspects of it I want to explore with you today, and I hope that you'll even think more about it as you go home and go throughout the week, and it's pray, as you pray, too. Uh, first of all, I think a lack of money is a complicated blessing because it forces us or allows us the opportunity to develop our appreciation of resources other than money. I don't know about you, but um, it always catches my imagination and my attention when I hear Jesus say those words. I remember even as a youth hearing them in church preached about how vivid I thought, huh? It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I didn't think that made very much sense. I didn't then, and subsequent experience has made it even more puzzling. I, I know people of great means. They certainly all haven't come by it by ill-gotten means. Uh, they oftentimes are very hardworking, no clear immorality necessarily associated with being persons of great wealth. So why? Why does Jesus warn of this as a perennial problem? Well, uh, I think you've probably all heard one version or another of the saying, to a man with a hammer, 
everything looks like a nail. Or maybe the variety of, if your only tool is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. And I think the moral of that little phrase, which I, I find pretty helpful, is that um, the tools that we think we have at our disposal, that we're able to apply to problems, alter our perceptions of the challenges we face and the solutions that are appropriate. Now, if, if you can say that about a hammer, even more so could you say it about money, because money is a universal medium of exchange, and you can use money to get a hammer, or a jackhammer, or a saw, or any other kind of tool you want. So very easily to think of money as the hammer that we have to apply to every problem. Another way to think about it is through uh, the story Stone Soup. How many of you grew up hearing some version of the story of Stone Soup? It's a, uh, I believe, a, a European origin kind of folk tale that has had several different children's authors and illustrators publish versions of it almost every decade since the 50s. And, um, there are some wonderfully memorable varieties of stone soup out there. But in basics, it's a story about a, a soldier, or sometimes soldiers, who are coming home from a war and traveling back home. They are hungry and don't have any money, and they stop in a village to ask for food. And uh, they are greeted with suspicion by the first people they approach, who tell them they have nothing and send them on their way. And they decide to try another approach. And they uh, say that they have a stone to make soup, and they just need help with a pot from one person, water from someone else. Oh, wouldn't it be great to add an onion, a carrot, potatoes, a soup bone? And pretty soon, people are coming out of their houses to smell the wonderful stone soup and at the end of the story, the community is feasting on this big pot of stone soup together. The moral of the story, we're told, and as I've understood it before, is that it's a blessing to share. It creates community. I don't think that's a wrong moral to pull from the story. But as I was thinking about this prayer, being thankful for our our complicated blessings being a lack of money, which points to the only truly renewable resource, the resource of our spirit, I thought about it maybe a different way. Uh, but let me explain first. Uh, when I was in Marion, I was a part of a community-wide group that uh, became a nonprofit called Marian Matters, but it just started out as a group of people trying to move the needle for people in uh, living in intergenerational poverty to try to help them um, gain the resources and knowledge and um, develop a plan for developing a more stable life. And we worked with 15-week um, 
uh, studies that, that friends uh, entered and, and took part in, and the studies were called Getting Ahead in a Just Getting By World. And um, one of the pieces of that program was to help people understand 11 different kinds of really important resources that help make for a stable life, a life that you can build your foundation on and set goals and fulfill your potential and contribute to your community. That simple. Um, those 11 different resources that we learned about uh, were really helpful because most of the people who came to the class began with the assumption that their, the only problem they had was that they didn't have enough money. And as we looked at these other resources, we saw that actually there was a lot that people didn't have, but they had some things that were resources they didn't know were valuable, and they could build on them. So what were the resources? Financial, for sure, is one of them. But one of them is emotional stability and emotional learning intelligence. Education, building your mental capacity. Language, learning how to speak and communicate well with others. Social support, people who could connect you to other people. Physical health, including your mental health. Spiritual well-being. One's own integrity, personal integrity and trust. It's an incredible resource. Motivation and persistence. Relationships with role models. And knowing the hidden rules of social class and we would have to do um, more conversation to explain what that one is. I learned a lot by thinking about those resources, those comprehensive kinds of resources, and I then kind of changed the way I look at many things, including the story of Stone Soup. What if the moral is not just that sharing is good to create community, what if we think about the soldier's perspective and think that the moral of the story is that even if you don't have financial resources, you can learn to use some of your other resources to build your whole capacity? What if the soldiers are showing us how to use building relationships, communication, learning to speak a language that other people can relate to, having persistence and motivation, being trustworthy to others so that they're willing to extend themselves. Maybe Stone Soup is also about how many resources it takes to create stability. Another way that I think a lack of money is a complicated blessing is that it, it can force us to focus on what is most important. It can make us set priorities and clarify our goals. Even as we acknowledge our limitations, clarifying goals opens up much broader avenues for actual influence when you focus 
on what you believe is most important, and it's purposeful. The book that John and I have been reading together um, by Gil Rendell. What's it called? I can't. It's it's a good book. I he'll remember. John will remember the name in a minute, and he'll shout it out, which will be fine with me. Uh, he's talking a little, uh, quite a bit about the context of churches and denominations, and um, what we face as uh, mainline denominations that uh, have been plagued by the insecurity of feeling we don't have enough as we shrink in number. The mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Well, isn't that broad? So a lack of money might force us to focus and clarify what is most important. What kind of transformation are we talking about in the world? What are the means of transformation? What relationship does disciples have to making transformation? What are the gifts and skills that disciples need to have? And what strengths do we have that we could bring to focus on one aspect of that? Without those kinds of conversations that sharpen our focus and clarify our goals, the tendency is, when you have a lot of money, to let people answer it in all kinds of different ways, because there are all different kinds of ways you could focus on it, and spend your money on B, all of the above, or D, all of the above. Usually D is the all of the above. But that may not maximize your impact. third way, a lack of money, is a complicated blessing. Is that a lack of money gives us a corresponding sense of a loss of sense of control and may give us an opportunity to confront what this author, Gil Rendell, uh, calls our functional atheism and make room for us to experience God's pro providing real work in our lives. So let's think about the rich young man who prompted Jesus to say, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The rich young man came to Jesus with a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gives him a fairly straight straightforward answer, which apparently he was anticipating, and he says, teacher, I've done those things. And uh, so, in a way, the young man was kind of coming to Jesus to ask Jesus to give God's stamp of approval on everything that he had already done. He was just looking for a little frosting on the cake that he had made. Jesus then says to him, but do one more thing. Get rid of your possessions and give them away. Now, Doing that, you see, the, the story defines him as the rich young man that comes to Jesus. That would have meant shedding how he understood himself and his status in the world. It probably would have 
meant shedding the way he governed his relationship to other people and his sense of value. It was asking him to let go of those things and let God have direction, control, purpose for his life. It wasn't meant to be a punitive thing. It was meant to be a deepening thing. But the man was sad and walked away. I think oftentimes we as Christians do act like functional atheists. When we think about resources, we think, what do I have? What can I do for God? And then ask God's blessing on it. And I'll define what it is that I do for God based on what I think I have. Instead, perhaps we could be invited to believe that God has God's own resources to bear, maybe through others, maybe in ways we don't anticipate. Maybe it's a richer way to live and to serve, to start out by asking God, what do you want me to do? And then believe that God will help provide the means that allow it to happen. Doing that trust that God is actually alive out there and not just working through us and not just working through people we define, but working out in the world. And then it's a great exploration process to follow and discover what God looks like in other people in other places. This involves a transformation of thinking about stewardship as not just about what we have and how to maintain and grow what we have, but stewardship as leaning into the potential, God's potential for the future. The last way that I think um, Money, lack of money is a complicated blessing. Is that I think a lack of money drives us into partnership, and partnerships can be wonderful things. Now, I try, I know, not everybody likes baseball, but it's the Indians are playing right now, and <clears throat> my mind is on baseball. So I, my most natural partnership example is that you can't have a great pitcher without a great catcher. And great pitchers make great catchers and vice versa. And it's a wonderful chemistry to see happen. But you could also think of it in terms of a, a, an accompanist and a soloist. And a, a pianist behind a, a, a soloist can make them sound better and, and uh, you can also make them sound worse too. I think, I think of uh, our staff as a partnership. My gifts are limited. I have weaknesses, they're picked up by strengths of other people on the staff. Together, we're much stronger than we would be working as individuals. We complement and, and the working together creates a spirit. That's the interesting thing about spirit. The only truly renewable resource, the resource of spirit, spirit exists between 
things. Even within our own selves, we have a dialogue going on within our own minds, and we can activate our own spirit to some extent. But spirit is created by connection, and there are potentially infinite number of human connections if people are trusting that God's spirit is out there at work. As much as great partnership between people can bring out the best of both and create more than each are in and of themselves, so much more is the partnership of a person with God, with God who speaks all of our languages, who knows our gifts and our weaknesses, and who will guide, lead, coax, encourage, provide. And it's why one of the most universal things about really powerful, effective Christians is that they pray and regularly open themselves up to God's leading and partnership with God. So we thank God for the complicated blessing of lack of money, not because there's anything wrong with money, but because it makes us go deeper. And deeper is glorious and adventure. It's a discovery of the depth and abundance of life. May it be so for all of us. Amen.